Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Kristen. Hi, I'm Kristen, and I am a compulsive overeater, food addict, addict in general. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Um, thank you to Michael for asking me to speak. I, it's a privilege and, a, and an honor to be asked to speak um, at a OA meeting. Um, is this on? It doesn't yeah. feel on. Okay. Um, and, you know, I always ask God to speak through me because I'm just a vessel. I'm not here to impress people. Um, and that's what I was taught when I first came in in 98. Um, and... You know, to try to, you know, keep my ego out of it. Because, you know, my nature is like, I want approval. I want you guys to like me. Um, I want to sound good. Um, and, you know, I guess I'll start from the beginning since I have so much time. I'm going to pass around my pictures. Um, unfortunately, I don't have relapse pictures because I think I, like, threw them all away or I didn't take pictures. But... They started around, um, I think I was 13 in that picture, um, but what it was like, what happened and what it's like now, what it was like, I grew up in Massachusetts and I was the youngest of three. My mom was sober in AA and my dad was, I guess he's a questionable alcoholic, um, although he has a very functioning life. My life was never functioning like that when I drank, um, but we're not in AA. Anyways, um, I remember, you know, my earliest memories of food. I was When I was eight, my dad had left. My parents got separated and, and divorced. And I just remember um, eating for comfort. And I remember stealing food. I remember my mom hiding food from me. I would steal money for food. I stole, I remember I stole $20 out of my brother's um, yearbook. I found money and I like went to the store and bought a box of Twinkies and what other, other, either, you know, other junk food. And that's all I wanted to eat. And my mom didn't keep it because she was an OA gray sheet. So we didn't have that kind of food in the house. So wherever I could get it, I got it. I stole for it. Um, I would steal penny candy after school. I was, in, you know, we, I went to Catholic school, and um, I used to steal out of Christine Brooks's purse. Um, no, not not her, not her purse, her jacket. It was in the back of the room. I know it's funny now, but um, God bless me. Like I just, I didn't care. Like I just wanted to eat. Like I remember me and one of the uh, girls. We were like. Uh, treasurers for something, and so we used to, <laughs> yeah, for a food addict, um, we used to go, we used to go to the bank to deposit the money, but then um, we'd stop on the way to get pizza, <laughs> and um, oh my god, I'm just such a food addict, like that was like my drug from the get-go, um, and I was, I was always the biggest, I was the tallest, I was I don't want to say ugly, but I wasn't, 
attractive. And everyone else was smaller, even the guys. And it was really, um, I was really ashamed of myself. And um, I hated myself. I didn't like myself at such a young age. I mean, it's such a shame um, because what I know now um, is different than how I was back then. And, um, you know, and everyone else wanted me to be thin. It was like this huge issue. Um, my top weight um, when I when I got here was 238, and um, I lost, um, I'll talk about that later, but I was always big. I had a size 11 foot It's in seventh grade. I just, I was so sad, you know, and like all my friends had like their boyfriends, and I didn't have one. Um, it, it just, it didn't feel like a normal life that I had. It didn't feel like a normal upbringing. I was one of the first coming from a divorced family in my in the school that I went to. So food was just my go-to, you know. And, um, and then I graduated from, you know, eighth grade and went into high school. And I ended up going to a public high school. And that was like, it was bigger, you know. Most of the kids came from public schools, and I just felt always um, not a part of, not attractive enough. You know, I wanted to kill myself. I wanted to die, and um, it was just a constant depression, and I spent a lot of time at home. Um, I did have, you know, one best friend growing up, and, you know, she was like, you know, a lifesaver to me, and, you know, my mom had tried to help me, she sent me to OA when I was a kid, but I, I didn't get any of it, um, and then I would try diets, you know, I tried Slim Fast, I tried Weight Watchers, I tried, um, I think it was Jenny Craig, and, like, I couldn't diet, like, I could not control food for the life of me, like, I would do Weight Watchers, and I think I remember the first week I lost seven pounds, and then I was like, oh, I can eat again, you know? Like, I could I could never stick to a diet. It's just, like, I still can't, you know? I, I can't diet. Like, I am so powerless over food. Um, and so, I, you know, and then I was in high school, and I started to smoke pot, and I started to drink, and then I dropped out of high school at 16 just because I just, I couldn't, I hated school. I did what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted. I didn't listen. Um, I didn't care about consequences. Um, I didn't care what my parents were telling me. Kristen did what she wanted. And... Um, you know, and things just progressively got worse because I started drinking and doing drugs, but the food was always there. And I just was, like, heavy and bloated and um, just hanging out with, um, you know, in dive bars and just with, you know, my mother would call it the underbelly of the world. And um, I just was not a high-functioning addict at all. And... Um, so, but I knew that I wanted a good life. I, I knew that I wanted to be happy, and um, and I knew there was something bigger for me. And I had known someone who moved to San Francisco, and it was a, my brother's friend. And so I said, okay, I want to move there. Can I stay with you? 
So I ended up moving to San Francisco at, I don't know, 21 or something. And I just remember, I don't remember what happened, but she kicked me out two weeks after. And um, I had to find my own place. So I ended up um, on Haight Street in Haight Ashbury District in San Francisco and eating and partying. And, um, you know, I was working at a crepe shop. I was, like, making, like, $4 an hour, and I could barely take care of myself. You know, my mom was sending me money, like Western Union, and uh, my life was just really unmanageable, and I was really unhappy. I hated myself. And so, by the grace of God, one morning I woke up, and um, I said, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm just miserable. And um, that was October 3rd, 1998. I got sober, and then in December... I um, I ended up in a, in, a, in the room of OAs, in the room of an OA meeting, and I just remember going down in this basement. I couldn't even tell you where the church was. It was somewhere in San Francisco, and I just remember hearing people and crying. I was so fogged. I was, like, not conscious. I was like a baby, like a one-year-old. Like, I just had no awareness. I just knew that I was unhappy and I needed help. And this woman, Donna, helped me in the beginning. And um, I just remember her saying, you know, call me. And um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what she wanted. And I didn't trust people. And, I mean, (laughs) I think back, it's just, it's been an amazing journey. But anyways, um, you know, So I was calling her. She seemed really, you know, nice and genuine. So I just, I just did what she said and she told me what to eat and it was like three meals a day at the time. And, um, and I remember, you know, also too, like walking into, into the meetings and the women that were there were like happy and they were thin and they were glowing and I wanted what they had. And, you know, but yet I was, like, jealous because I didn't have it. And I had to, you know, do the work to get there. And I didn't want to do the work. I am lazy. I am a procrastinator. um, And I want to do things my way. Um, And I just, I I just, I guess, surrendered and, you know, did what they said. And um, I didn't like it. You know, I remember the tools that they laid out for me, or my sponsor at the time laid out for me, you know, waking up, getting on my knees, meditating for 30 minutes. Um, I would fall asleep, and and my sponsor would be like, too bad. And I would be like, no, I I fell asleep. And she'd be like, I don't care. Stay awake. You know what I mean? Like, there was a constant struggle with me and my sponsors. I was, like, so defiant. Um, and then it was like, call three people a day. I do not want to call anybody. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care about you. I ain't calling anybody. Um, you know, and then I had to go to three committed meetings and one, which was in an, it was an AWOL. It was take, it was a study of the 12 steps, um, that took you through, you know, you went, I went once a week to the meeting and, um, hated it. 
every week I would go and I felt like my skin was, I was crawling out of my skin. Um, it was just uncomfortable. I don't know why I kept doing it. And I remember like my mind being infiltrated by these people and I just wanted them to go away. I didn't want to hear what they were saying, but I kept doing it. By the grace of God, I kept doing it, um, even though I didn't want to. And um, things just started to change. I lost 90 pounds in a year. And, you know, my job situation got better. I started doing makeup, which is what I wanted to do. And, um, but I was, you know, I was still full of fear. And um, I just, you know, they kept telling me, just keep showing up and, you know, keep going to meetings and keep working the steps and don't leave before the miracle happens. And it was like all this positive stuff and like, you know, things I wasn't used to. And um, I actually, um, I have to say that I, I met Susan in San Francisco, <laughs> and um, she saw me when I had first lost the weight. And then I moved back to Boston, and I happened to see her there, and that's, I gained 100 pounds. And um, so, and then I ran into her six months ago. I was like, I know that woman. And we were part of the, we were part of the same, I don't know, sponsor line of people. And um, so I hadn't seen her for, I don't know, 14 years. So, like, that's God. Like, that was, that's pretty amazing to me. And I can't believe the time that goes by and uh, what happens through uh, working the steps. And um, I remember, you know, my first fourth step that I did, um, you know, reading it to my sponsor reluctantly and not understanding why, why am I doing this? Like, I thought I just, like, I just came to lose weight. Like, what is, I don't get it. Like, I thought you just, you know, got absent. Then they want me to do work and work steps. And I think they, because it's the group of women that I was with, and um, they were tough. They didn't care how I felt. They didn't care about anything as long as I did what they said. And, of course, they're all, they're like, this is just a suggestion. You know, <laughs> it's just a suggestion. But I think you do it or you don't. And it's like, if you don't do it, we're not going to sponsor you. And, that, and that's how it was. That's the line of people I grew up with. But I needed that. You know what I mean? I needed the uh, direction and the discipline, and um, and God knew that, and that's why He put these women in my life, and um, I'm forever grateful for them. Like, thank you, God, you put them in my life. Like, they saved my life, and um, that's why I'm standing here today. Part of the reason, and um, so I did that fourth step, and I, you know, I talked to her about my life and all my thievery and my lying and my stealing and. Um, I was such a cheat, you know, and, and a liar. And um, so anyways, I moved back to Boston, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate these people. I want to eat. I don't care. And and I, and I, I didn't eat flour and sugar for two and a half to three years. I don't remember the exact time, but it was something around that. And so I was like, I'm going to start eating sugar-free candy. And then little by little, I start eating out more, and I start eating more, and I start gaining weight. 
And my sponsor said something to me, and I'm like, F this. I'm out of here. And I picked up, and I binged and gained 100 pounds in a year. And I can't even, like, the pain of that physically, mentally, emotionally, my family was worried about me. I mean, how does someone gain 100 pounds a year? Can you, like, how, how do you do that? I mean, that's, like, insanity. And um, I could not stop eating, like, bags and boxes and pizzas. And um, it was just, you know, hiding out in AA meetings, you know, not wanting to, um, to do this. And... Um, you know, I learned a lot through that. You know, I, I got really cocky when I lost the weight. You know, I thought, okay, you know, that's all. You know, that's all I wanted. You know, I. I've, and then when I did lose it, I thought I was like the cat's meow. Like I was like a graduated. Like I had no idea. I have a disease. I have like a mind. Like, you know, really. Um, what did they say in the big book? Just like. A disease of fear, doubt, and insecurity. Like my mind is my problem, and um, and I have I have I have a disease, and you know only a spiritual solution um, will help with that. You know, it's not about the food, it's not about the weight, like I thought it was, and um, you know I guess for me it was just a process, you know, and it's been my journey, my experience. Um, I had to go through that and. And I, you know, threw myself into the steps again, and um, more weight came off, the weight that I had gained. And then I went through the steps again, and more weight came off. You know, I have no control. Like, step one, I am powerless, not only over food, but people, places, and things. Like, control is an illusion. But yet, I, when I, I try to get in there and, and, and control and manage stuff, and then my life becomes really unmanageable. And um, so, anyways, then I moved to LA in 2003 at, um, I don't know, 250 pounds. And I mean, for me, like, I was still in my 20s and I was really attached to, like, the Hollywood life and, you know, um, you know, just whatever that is, you know, and, um, you know, the outside stuff and wanting to be with the cool crowd and look cool and um, just very immature. And it was it was a really miserable time being like 250 pounds of living in Hollywood because of course, I mean, it's, it's all about how you look. And now I'm like so 98% detached from that, um, from that world and, you know, um, and I'm just, you know, it's just been a process of, of, you know, working the steps and, um, you know, going to meetings and being honest and learning about myself and growing. I mean, you know, growing is very painful. I don't like uh, pain. You know, that's why I used, you know, and um, food, you know, is something we have, well, we have to deal with. I have to deal with, you know every day and you know the gift I've gotten through the steps is you know I don't binge today you know just for today I don't binge and um and that's such a gift you know and just 
being grateful. Like I had to learn how to be grateful that I could walk, talk, and see that um, that I have a roof over my head. Like I had to learn basics, you know, because I wanted like fame and fortune, and I was coming to meetings for like the wrong re- uh, reasons when I moved to Los Angeles, and um, still you know, um, not understanding about the disease. It's cunning, baffling, powerful. And, um, you know, becoming more conscious. I've recently become just more conscious of how much fear I have and um, and what I need to do with that fear. And, and that is I need to write about it. I need to talk about it. I need to be honest about it. It's taken me a long time to really tell people what what's going on with me. Um, you know, there's there's at least you know ten people on the planet that know everything about me. You know, um, you know I'm not a saint. I'm never going to be perfect. You know, um, and I'm also been really learning about. Um, you know, taking care of myself and, you know, which the program has taught me, but really everything just seems to be coming together for me, um, that it's an inside job, you know, um, that I'm not going to get my peace and serenity from the food and from other things that are outside of me. And um, it's there's such freedom in that, you know, you, the promises really do come true. And, and when they would say the promises for years, I was so, res- I don't know if it was resentful, but I was angry because I didn't have them. And people talked about having this great life, and I didn't have that great life um, because I was so resistant to, you know, um, this way of life. And, you know, um, this disease wants me isolated. It wants me dead. You know, it doesn't want me to get close to you and tell you the truth. You know, um, it wants me to be 250 pounds and, you know, going up. And, you know, I just recently lost someone who was like a dad to me. And um, he had cirrhosis of the liver and he died from alcoholism and it was the first big loss of my life so I mean like a death so to speak um you know the first big loss the first death but the first loss was my dad leaving so this is this death has brought up the other losses and unfortunately I've been told I have to like work through that stuff so that I can um heal and um and it's been a sad time. It's been painful. There's been rage. Um, and I've had the support of the people in this fellowship. And I've had, um, you know, my time to be with God, you know, um, which is something like I've kind of always you know, wanted to resist. Like, I don't like sitting with myself. Um, I want to always be doing something. But that's where a lot of my emotional, you know, sobriety comes from is, you know, the 11th step. 
and um, I kind of skipped all around with the steps. But um, yeah, it's just, and you know, there's been, you know, people that were in his life that aren't happy with the way he left things. And um, he left me as the um, kind of the leader in the situation. And um, they don't like, you know, what they've been given. And that's, it wasn't my decision. It wasn't my choice. And, um, you know, I started to take that on and get into fear and um, start to get like a little kid, like helpless and like afraid. And um, so I've had to do a lot of work, you know, uh, you know, calling people, telling people, you know, writing. And um, it's, you know, I feel stronger because of it. You know, it's only been three weeks and um you know someone even like kind of threatened my life and it's like started to like make up you know how the stories go in our heads and um you know god is is either what is it god is everything what is that yeah and um like you know, God has always taken care of me. He's always protected me. And, um, you know, I don't know what the future holds. All I have is right here, right now. Um, and I might as well enjoy the moment, you know, because the past three weeks I've been caught up in the fear. And, oh, my God, what if? Well, it's like, okay. I mean, in jest, it's like, okay, well, so you do get, you know, he does do something it's like well then you just wasted three weeks of uh you know in fear you know like it's not worth it um so what does it say in the big book you know we 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 talk about our fears we list them we write them down and then you know give them to god and what would you have me do direct me to what you would have me do it's just like a constant like talking to god and um for me anyways, you know, trying to stay connected um, because, you know, when I look outside, I'm like, there's so many distractions and uh, basically, you know, it's always back. It's always the basics. This, this book is like, this is like my guide to every situation or problem in my life that's happened, that's present or that's to come like this this helps me and um so what do i do what are the basics like back to basics the things i'll always have done and always you know hopefully a day at a time get to do and that's you know get on my knees and ask for help pray and meditate um call my sponsor call make other phone calls um go to meetings and with that comes peace even when you know the what is it the um the whirling dervishes, you know, like my mom said to me, let them twirl, you know, let them do their thing. Just keep, you know, keep doing what you've been taught. And I'm really grateful that, you know, I get to be up here. I'm really grateful um, that I've stuck around, you know, and um, it's such a gift you know, this process. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. It's not always, 
you know, comfortable. But um, if I go through that discomfort, there's always peace on the other side, you know. And, um, and like right now, I get to be happy, joyous, and free. You know, I don't have to put on an act right now for you to like me. Like I can say my truth, you know. And that's like a gift because I, my whole life I, I wanted that approval and I wanted the love and I, I wanted you know, people to give it to me, and um, it's just a process, and I'm just really grateful, and I think that I'll stop for questions. Okay, thank you. Michael. The question is, how do, you bring God into how do I bring God into my life? Yeah. Every day? Yeah. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing that I do, um, what I've been learning recently, which is great, is that I don't pick up my phone until I pick up my spiritual books first. And I do my, my reading first, and then I do my meditation. And... Um, because of the situation that I've been in recently, it's like, okay, God, please help me. Please guide me. Like, you know, please show me what to do. And, um, but my practice for a long time has, has been, um, you know, opening the book, you know, um, and praying and um, asking for help, you know, and... And then I go do my day, and sometimes I forget God, and I make a phone call, and that's when I'm reminded. Sometimes I go to meetings, and I'm like, oh, this is why I come to meetings, because they're talking about God. Like, I'll forget, oh, this is why I come, you know, because I'll, you know, Kristen's doing her thing, you know. Um, but, I mean, I guess, you know, God is always, he's inside of me. He's always, you know, um, He's always with me. And I love what it talks about, you know, where is it? Is it how it works? Sorry, guys, to do this to you. But, I mean, what an honor. It says, first of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. God's my director. He's the principal. I'm an agent. I'm an agent of God. Like, how cool is that? You know what I mean? Like, that is so cool. You know what I mean? And that, Oh, and by the way, I was never a God person. I was repulsed when people talked about God when I came in. Like, my skin would crawl. I was not a God person at all. So, um, I've come a long way. And, yeah, I guess it's the tools. Yeah. But every morning, like, that got to be the first thing. Like, sometimes I'll get on my phone. My brother's like, no, put the phone down. I mean, he taught me that. He's in program, too. And he's like, put it down. You know, because I want to see what's going on and what i got to control and manage with that phone. Like, that's going to, you know what I mean? Like, then that becomes my God. And I don't, I, I don't want to do that. And my day's off. If I don't do it in the morning, my day gets wonky. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, 
said that you used to comfort yourself with food, and so how has that changed for you now that you've been abstinent, and what other tools or what other ways do you comfort yourself? The question is, it takes me twice, sorry. Say that again. The um, so you used to use food as comfort. How do I comfort myself now? Um, that's a very good question. Now, it would be that meditation. It's a few things, but it would be in the morning doing my spiritual ritual, um, praying and meditating. Um, I... I do a lot of reading. That's comforting to me. I'm a student of A Course in Miracles as well, so I read that a lot. Um, and I do read other books as well. Um, right now I'm starting the steps over, so I've been reading the big book. A lot of my comfort like, comes from books now. Um, also, you know, um, I'd have to say, you know, getting massages and facials, like a lot of mani petties, you know, like, but I do, yeah, like, that's where I get, really from books, ironically, you know, um, in some reality TV, unfortunately. (laughs) I hope that answers your question. But people do many different things. Exercise, you know, that's still one of my foes. Or I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm still, that's a a work in progress for me. Can you talk a little bit about the yeah, um, you know, it really is a personal thing, but when I first came in, it was no flour, no sugar, um, and then it was binging on flour and sugar and gaining 100 pounds, <laughs> and then it was three meals a day, um, and then... Um, it was three meals a day and two snacks, and it was three meals a day and a snack. And um, and right now it's um, it is what it is right now. It's just a moderation. Praise to God. You know, there. I will say though, you know, there is some. I'd love to be a size ten. Like this is the physical aspect. Love to be a size ten, but you know. If I want more weight loss, I have to work the steps and be willing to give up um, different foods, um, you know, comfort food. So, yeah, so I don't, right now it's just, thank you God, moderation and um, praying for the willingness just to give up certain foods. So, but yeah, it's been a process. <laughs> That's it? Okay, thank you.